Allah sends us these rulings as blessings, as a mercy. All this is in order for us to have a better life. You know, when you get up early in the morning and breathe the fresh air and you sleep early after Salat al-Isha, you know what? It improves your health. It improves your health. But we won't follow that because why? We have a lot of fun at night. We need to be on our phones. We need to be on Snapchat, whatever else it is. We need to be on uh, WhatsApp, right? So we will stay awake. Then when Salatul Fajr clocks in, we're not up. May Allah forgive us. We, we did it the other way around. Then we suffer. We can't think straight. We can't breathe straight. All these rules and regulations were there to improve our lives to begin with and then to give us the Akhirah. Then to give us the Akhirah. So we start off with the Quran. The Quran, like I said earlier, it has shifa, it has rules, it has regulations. We follow it. But if you read the Quran correctly and if you follow that Quran in a proper way, it will lead you to something else. It will lead you automatically to the sunnah of Rasulullah sallallahu One of the verses. So many other verses that will prove to you that you have to go to the Prophet ﷺ sunnah in order to get it, in order to understand it. So now we have the hadith. And the reason why I'm coming down this way here is because I heard about the first graduation, I think that's happening at the madrasa here. And the hadith is very, very important. Its understanding, its, its explanation, its context, the way to apply it, just like the verses of the Qur'an. Today, I was going through one English application of the translation of the Qur'an, and I told the brother, please can you add in there, together with the translation, the context of revelation of every verse. Because nowadays, it's easy for people to misinterpret. A guy who was in the nightclubs, many times, comes out of the nightclub, if he's not nurtured, and he starts fulfilling his salah, he becomes so rigid that he, everyone else to him is astray. But he doesn't think for a moment that for 20 years he was in the nightclub. I always say that when, when people were far away from the deen, the day they come after 40 years, they want everyone else to change in four minutes. But for them, it took them 40 years. Be calm, take it easy, relax, you know, be practical. And understand when you're learning, learn from the correct sources to understand context. You know, we are living in a world that is not an ideal world, but we will definitely understand Islam cannot be changed. The Quran cannot be changed. The Sunnah will not be changed. But we know that we will practice as best as we can. We are conscious of Allah or developing a relationship with Allah in the best way that I can. You know, someone can come here, they'll read Salatul Maghrib, Salat Al-Isha. Someone will come for Fajr, Dhuhr, Maghrib, Asr, Maghrib and Isha. Someone might come only for Maghrib. Someone might only come for Isha. Whoever can, whatever, whatever Salah they can come for, they will come. It doesn't mean they should not fulfill the other Salah. But perhaps they can't make it to the Masjid. Maybe for whatever reason. They do whatever they can. If you're at your workplace, they might give you a small corner to fulfill. I remember one of the ulama was asked that, at my workplace, they don't allow us to fulfill salah. The only way I can fulfill salah is while I'm sitting on my chair. Am I allowed to do it? So some of the ulama said no, and one of them said, yes, you can. So these ulama spoke to that alim and told him, how did you give that fatwa? 
he said the Prophet says صلي قائما فإن لم تستطع فقاعدا فهذا لا يستطيع you read standing if you can't read standing you read sitting we have taken it as sickness only but we don't realize it's beyond sickness as well for example there is a ruling in fiqh that if you are in a ship and it's it's actually uh, you know not so stable and you, you, you fear dizziness or you might fall you read your salah sitting it's got nothing to do with it's got nothing to do with ability in terms of physical ability but there's another issue so the same would apply in a certain context because that context didn't happen at the time of the Prophet but the rulings are there you follow what I'm saying so there was a debate and argument the point I'm trying to say here is Allah has made things easy the worst is the one who doesn't do the salah at least we're talking about should I do it meaning am I allowed to do it standing that question alone shows you that someone has the concern right to fulfill the salah they have the concern why would they ask you that I go to work but you know it's hard to read salah because they don't want me to do this can I read it sitting okay the fact that they are asking you a question shabash, shabash, mashallah. you understand what I mean mashallah well done subhanallah some of the guys are surprised at the little bit of Urdu that we're peppering in our, <laughs> in our talk yeah so this is the thing may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make it easy for all of us when it comes to the hadith of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, oh, there are hundreds of thousands of ahadith that you will find. The different books have compiled different numbers of ahadith. But in totality, oh, subhanAllah, there are some massive books of hadith. Musnad al-Imam Ahmad is huge. And so many other books of hadith, massive. But we get an opportunity to study a few. I want to say something very interesting today. One of my ustads told me many years ago that whatever you learn in terms of uh, tafsir, hadith, uh, and all this knowledge of fiqh and uh, qawaid fiqhiyya and whatever else, unless you are going to be a teacher teaching the subject, you will only need 5% of it for da'wah. The other 95 is for your own benefit. Did you hear what I said? You only need 5% of it for da'wah. Meaning you're calling people towards Allah. Unless you're teaching the subject. If I'm sitting and teaching the subject, I'm going to need everything that I learned to put here. But if you're, if you're going to be an imam of the masjid who's delivering lectures or talks or someone who's teaching at a school, so you only need a fraction of what you learned. So don't be arrogant. Not at all. Just be humble. Ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's guidance. And Allah will open your doors. So if you take a look at Sahih al-Imam Bukhari, rahimahullahu, Muhammad ibn Ismail uh, al-Bukhari, he has compiled uh, the book Al-Jami' al-Sahih. I tell you, not only him, but several other muhaddithin, they started off with a hadith of the intention, because intentions really, uh, by far the most important thing within the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the intention, the intention. So Umar ibn Khattab radiallahu anhu narrates the hadith and he says he heard the Prophet sallallahu while he was on the mimbar uh, saying innamal a'malu binniyati innamal a'malu binniyati and in one narration binniyati uh, definitely all actions will be judged by their underlying intentions uh, there are several ways you know English language does not qualify to translate Arabic just like Urdu sometimes you have one word try to say it in English, uh, you can't, you know, you have to say it in Urdu, you have to, uh, 
So just like that in Arabic, Arabic is a rich tongue. So English is very new compared to Arabic. Arabic is much older. So one of the ways of translating it is to say, indeed all actions are judged by their underlying intentions. You do something that appears good and with a bad intention, you will not get a reward for it. You do something that might appear to be not so good, but you know your intention. In that particular case, uh, it will be good. I, I don't have the time to go into examples, but there are so many examples, mashallah, tabarakallah, of how you can be doing things, and they are good things, but you are not getting rewarded for it because of your intention, and vice versa. You are doing things, it cannot be that you do a bad thing, and you get a reward for it, but you do something that appears to be bad. Maybe that one I can give you a quick example. Say a, a person's child is in the nightclub, and uh, he goes to try and take the child out. As he's walking in, people say, hey, kya ho hai? Kahan ja hai? They take a video and say it's on Snapchat, Astaghfirullah. You know, Shabir Bhai, look at what he's done. You know, he's gone into the club, right? But they don't know, he went in to take his son out, right? It's like uh, the, the, the issue of uh, one man who came and said, you know, these weddings, they are so bad. I went to one wedding, the, the groom came in a helicopter and the bride was almost naked. She came in an open Bentley, you know, one of those convertible Bentleys. And they had a smoke screen and the women were all semi-naked and there was heavy music and it was free for all. They were serving alcohol in the corner for people who want to drink. Astaghfirullah, Muslim wedding. So one brother told him, what were you doing there? Right? If he's so bad, what were you doing there? Now, nowadays, people got an answer. He says, well, if I didn't go there, who would have told you what was there? So I had to go to find out so that I could come back and let you guys know. You see, that's how foolish people become. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us forgiveness. But to be very honest with you, if, if a person really is doing something that appears to be bad, but it's, he's not doing a bad thing, right? That's when we would say that a niya counted. And I gave you the example of someone going to get their child out, you know. Uh, of uh, going to get their child out of a club, for example, just to save them from something. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us ease. So the same applies. The Prophet ﷺ says, uh, And indeed, for every person is that which they have intended. In terms of reward, in terms of reward, and in terms of being judged, a person by Allah will be judged by the intention. Humankind might judge you by anything else. But by Allah, judged by intentions. What was your intention? This was the intention. Now, today we have a big disease. You know what is that disease? When you tell the young people, please come for salah, they'll say, don't judge me. Have you heard them say that? You say, my sister, you shouldn't be doing this. Say, don't judge me. I'm not judging you. I'm advising you. I'm encouraging you. Come, let's go. You know, people have this notion that they've learned from the new world to say, don't judge me. You know, who are you to judge me? I know Allah. You know, someone doesn't fulfill salah and they say, I'm a Muslim, but I don't do salah. You say, but why not? Say, don't judge me. What are you talking about? Am I not allowed to say, you're a Muslim, you should be doing salah. Let's do salah. I didn't say, you're going to Jannah, you're going to Jahannam. I didn't say that. I didn't say that. I say, inshallah, we'll go to Jannah. I don't even want to doom anyone to Jahannam because if through your dua someone else goes to Jannah, I'm sure the malaika were saying 
uh, for that, you know, and you probably would get better than that. If, if, imagine if, if I go to Jannah because you made a dua for me to go to Jannah, I'm sure you're going to be in Jannah before me. Do you get my point? So make dua for Jannah for all of us. May Allah gather us in Jannatul Firdaus. Say Amin. So the reality here is we as Muslims, we, we're living in this particular country in you know, with all the freedoms that we enjoy, we are able to fulfill our deen. We need to do so with gratitude, with humbleness, and also fulfilling the rights of others. We're in a small minority. Wallahi, because we live in our little suburbs and we have a nice area here, and they, we look like we are 20, 30%, right? Don't be deceived. Small droplet. Thank Allah that you have a facility like this. Thank Allah you have a masjid, a madrasa. Use it, go to it. For, you know, make sure you're there. Make life easy for those who come here. When the children come here, make it so such that you're smiling at them. Don't just shout them. It doesn't work. Make them feel comfortable. They want to come next time. You, you smile at them. Some, when I was young, the old people used to look at us. We used to be scared. Wallahi, you walk in the masjid and you're sitting. That uncle, you have to stay far from him. He'll start shouting any minute now. The other uncle come and slap you. You know, in Taraweeh, we used to stand in the saf at the back. There was one uncle used to come and beat us up. If we didn't go to Ruku with the Imam, get up. You know, when you're children, you're sitting, you're playing a little bit, you're doing this, doing that. But as soon as you see the uncle, you're quickly doing salah. They say, you people are mushriks. And these are little children. Relax. Take it easy. They, the fact that they came to the house of Allah, that connection, even if they were playing football outside during Taraweeh, so long as they're not making too much noise, you come out and say, guys, keep on playing, but don't make noise. The fact that they came to the masjid compound, to me, it's more than enough at this stage. I hope you're following what I'm saying. Children. They came, they came along, they made a bit of noise, you know. Uh, we have impatience. If a child, as father brings a child to the masjid, people say, don't, don't, don't bring him to the masjid. So the father stops coming and the child stops coming. Now what happened? Tolerate a small sound. The Prophet ﷺ used to tolerate the sounds. When the Prophet ﷺ used to hear the child crying at the back, he used to shorten the salah. Ask the ulama, they'll tell you. He used to shorten the salah. But with us, forget about shorten the salah, we get angry. I, uh, Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen And you hear a baby crying Ar-Rahmanir Rahim The baby's crying louder <coughs> Maliki Yawmid Relax You're passing a message to the mother or the father while you're doing your salah How can that be? To say hey Inko sambhalo na May Allah forgive us my, my brothers and sisters we have a beautiful deen It is amazing it is superb. It is flawless. It has no mistakes in it. But the, how we apply it, the situation is not an ideal situation. When we apply it, take it easy. Be calm. You know, uh, Rasulullah tells us something very interesting uh, from Allah. So it's a verse of the Quran that is telling the Prophet about how he was so that we can learn from it. Allah says, فَبِمَا رَحْمَةٍ مِّنَ اللَّهِ لِنْتَ لَهُمْ one of my favorite verses, one of my favorite, the whole Quran is favorite, but one of the favorite verses also, Allah says, فَبِمَا رَحْمَةٍ مِّنَ اللَّهِ لِنْتَ لَهُمْ وَلَوْ كُنْتَ فَضًّا غَلِيظًا قَلْبِ لَنْ فَضُّ مِنْ حَوْلِكِ It is because of the mercy of Allah that you, O Muhammad are lenient with them or were lenient with them. With who? With those around you. Leniency. It is the mercy of Allah. It's a sign of the mercy of Allah that you are lenient. Did you hear that? 
sign of the mercy of Allah that you are lenient. In our houses, we need to be lenient. Leniency does not mean you allow someone, I mean, the child comes with alcohol, with drugs, and you say, I'm lenient. Chala, welcome, welcome. No, it's not like that. This is wrong. You understand what I mean? But leniency means, okay, it will, you need to be practical in the way you guide your, your children and your folks. Use goodness of character and so on. You know, uh, Allah says, وَلَوْ كُنْتَ غَلِيظَ الْقَلْبِ If you were harsh and hard-hearted, they would never, they would have dispersed. They wouldn't have listened to you. They would have gone away from you. Who wants to listen to someone who's harsh? So harsh and hard-hearted. Hard-hearted. They don't even want to listen. People are scared to tell their parents, you know, Dad, I want to get married to someone. They are so scared to even say it because they, they know that this is just going to be a no. They don't even want to entertain. We're living in a real world. You know, I have 10 children, mashallah. Two of my daughters are married, subhanallah. I, when, when the time came, it was not easy. It's not easy. And... I said to myself, it's time to practice what you preach. It's time to do what? Practice what you preach. And these are good children, mashallah. A suggestion and an idea came up from my own daughter to say, look, uh, this is something that I think you should look at and see if it's okay. And I'm thinking to myself, la ilaha illallah. And I told myself, you know, I'm a Muslim. You know, as much as we all have a dream for our children, I have to follow what Rasulullah said, not what I said, not what my culture said, not what my community said, not what my brothers and sisters will think, not what my parents will think, my others will think, not what my khandan will think. I want to do what Rasulullah says. He says, if the deen is good and the akhlaq is good, let it happen. Wallahi wa rabbil bayt. That's exactly what I did. Look at the deen. I got very good reference of the deen and akhlaq. I told her, I said, inshallah, this will happen. We got it done quick, quick, very fast. Allah opened the doors. Totally different culture, totally different part of the world. It would take 24 hours to fly to where she is. It would actually, so where, where is she? Where is she? Australia, mashallah. So, and totally, but you know what? Mashallah, what do you want? We want their happiness. It is an amana. The children are an amana. Many people are failing because we're living in a cosmopolitan society. I was telling Sheikh here that, you know what? Today, technological advancement is moving at such a pace that the ulama are not keeping up. They can't keep up with the children anymore. Some can, and some are trying, but Mostly, it's very difficult. They, they are learning everything from somewhere that you don't even know. And they're living a life that you don't even imagine they would be living. Completely. So you have to be hands-on. It's, it's a different world altogether. You know, someone came to me, sorry to divert a little bit, but someone came to me and told me, you know, uh, my child goes to university. And now it's a tough one, meaning his daughter. He says, you know, she came to me and told me that there is one brother of the, the they call it the ISOC. ISOC means the Islamic society, like the one brother of the ISOC. And he's always there for salah. He's always gathering the people. He's always, you know, he's so patient. He's such a good guy. He's this, he's that, he's that. Now, uh, the, the daughter is saying, I've, I've been seeing him for two years like this. And mashallah, he takes the initiative. He invites the people so respectful and, you know, 
I'm thinking he would make a good husband. She's telling her father. Oh, the father said, you know what? I don't know what to say because there is a war in my house right now with the mother and the uncles and the other, the elder brother, everyone saying it is totally forbidden to do what you, how could you do this? So he's asking me for advice. What would you say? Is it okay or it's not okay? From an Islamic, if the Prophet ﷺ was here, would he say it's okay or it's not okay? You tell me. People say, why did you look? <laughs> I have eyes. I saw something and I'm telling you, sometimes they have seen something far better than anything you could have come up with. Anything. Follow Allah, follow the Rasul, follow the advice blindly. Close your eyes and say, hey Allah, I am trusting you. You said do this, I'm going to do this. Exactly how you said it. I don't care what will happen. Look at how beautiful your family will become. May Allah forgive us. Because a lot of the times we do things to impress others. Going back to the hadith in Namal A'malu bin Niyat. Are you doing it to please Allah? Are you doing it to follow the Rasul? Or are you doing it because of society and community? Man arda nasa bi sakhatillahi sakhita Allahu anhu asakhata anhu nas. Wa man arda Allah bi sakhatin nasi radiyallahu anhu wa arda anhu nas. Whoever pleases the people in the displeasure of Allah, Allah says they lost. They lost both. That Allah will be displeased with them and they will also, the people will also be displeased with them. But whoever pleases Allah, even if the people are not too happy with it, that means don't worry about people, you worry about Allah. Then soon the people will also be happy and Allah will always have been happy anyway, because you did the right thing. May we be such that we can stand up for our kids. Our kids are struggling. Uh, not too sure about this community. It looks like a nice, cozy community, you know. I see the carpet in the masjid when it's warm. It's a nice community, mashallah. May Allah bless you guys, mashallah. Allah grant you ease and goodness. You know, uh, the Prophet says, فَمَنْ كَانَتْ هِجْرَتُهُ إِلَى دُنْيَا يُصِيبُهَا فَمَنْ كَانَتْ هِجْرَتُهُ إِلَى اللَّهِ وَرَسُولِهِ فَهِجْرَتُهُ إِلَى اللَّهِ وَرَسُولِهِ At the time of the Prophet there was a hijrah. People did hijrah for the sake of Allah. And some people did it with another intention. It's an example. There is a whole lengthy explanation, inshallah, the ulama will explain to you in detail. And the Prophet says, وَمَنْ كَانَتْ هِجْرَتُهُ إِلَىٰ دُنْيَا يُصِيبُهَا أَوْ إِمْرَأَةٍ يَنْكِحُهَا أَوْ يَتَزَوَّجُهَا فَهِجْرَتُهُ إِلَىٰ مَا هَجَرَ إِلَيْهِ Whoever is making a hijrah for another reason, perhaps he wants to marry a woman, so he's making hijrah, hey, it's a good opportunity, I can go to Makkah. You know, it's like how they say, it's a good opportunity, I'll, I'll, I'll go and one time I'll also get married, subhanAllah. So Allah says, well, it's your intention that counts. What did you go for? And if you went for a business deal, some people say, let's go out. Where? To that masjid, in that locality. But the intention is to go out for business. There's a man there, you want to do a quick business deal with him. So Allah says, you, you, we will look at what you were intending, subhanAllah. What were you intending? Keep your intentions pure. Keep your intentions pure. My brothers and sisters, I want to end off on one beautiful note. I want to end off on a beautiful note. You see, we have a problem of children from broken homes. What do they do in this country if the children are in a broken home? They take them away, right? And when they take them away, what do they do with them? They give them into foster. Foster homes, right? I want to ask you in this 
masjid, right here in front of me. How many of you have children who you are just looking after as a foster parent, caregiver? If you're a caregiver and you have kids within your system that are not yours, you're just taking care of them because they're from another, just put up your hand. Subhanallah. We have one, mashallah. My brother, you are the hero of this entire community. I tell you why I'm saying this. We are faced with thousands of Muslim children and no Muslim homes to take them. Many Muslims have conditions in their houses that are not fit for their children to be grown up in that house. And so they're taken away. Sometimes, mamulisi, you know, it's a small thing. They take the kids away. Where do they put those kids? There's no Muslims. Very few Muslims, should I say. To look after the children of another. Can I tell you why? No one speaks about it. Number one. Number two. We will not qualify. Our homes don't qualify to accept someone else in. They don't qualify. You know what that means? I said this last night because I visited one of my friends and he, there were two children. He told me that's my, my brother and my sister. I said, oh, mashallah, uh, young kids. He says, yeah, we, these are foster kids. So I said, oh, subhanallah. Now, now he's explaining to me. And I've known it before, but I'd like to hear it again. Amazing children. Whatever happened in their, their own home is another story. When I say we don't qualify, you know the akhlaq of Islam are not in us, even me included. If we had akhlaq of Islam, our houses would be the best houses. Our children would enjoy it in the house. Our families would um, adore the environment in the house. We shout, we swear, we scream, we raise our voice. Only those four qualities, you don't qualify as a foster caregiver. You can't. You, you shout in this house, you're not qualified. You, you scream here. Do you swear here? You don't qualify. That's it. So I was telling people yesterday in Bradford, if you want to know what type of a home you have, go and apply. You don't have to get the kids. Go and apply to the social services to come and check out your house and train you and just get the qualification. Get the, you know what I mean by it? Get that certification to say I'm a certified caregiver. Our home is compliant. That's all. Once you do that, you'll be better Muslims. Do you follow what I'm saying? We have a problem. We have a big problem in our houses, the way we operate. There's no discipline. Islam taught us more than what we are supposed to be doing to get a foster child. To get a foster child is kamal ki baat hai na. But to just grad, to just be compliant to it without getting the kids is already enough to change your life, to change your life. May Allah make it easy. 
And it's not like they won't, they, they'll pay you. They'll pay you for those kids. It's not like they won't. Yeah, the system is different. But you're getting a reward because you've saved some kids. You've helped them. You've actually served them. But you have to do so in a disciplined, dignified, beautiful, lovely way. And sometimes the children come from broken homes. Sometimes they themselves have characteristic issues that need development. Are you ready for that? The answer is no. We are too busy in our own world, doing our own things. Subhanallah. May Allah forgive us. So this is a very, very important uh, you know, factor to consider. Put it in the back of your mind. When you see someone and they say that we do this foster care, you must know that that house is where you want to be. You must know that that house is where you want to be. You're going to go in. They, when they speak to the children, they are so careful what they say. They have to, they have to consider, you know, the, the children, they have to make sure that they spend their time correctly. They have to make sure that they encourage them in a nice way. That's how it should be anyway. But no, we, we can't. We just say, that's it. Oh, the child looks and already pees and then comes. Allah forgive us. That's what happens. They're so scared of us. The world is changing. The kids will get their deen from somewhere else. They will get their akhlaq from somewhere else. Let's show, show it to them in the home. MashaAllah, I'm so happy to have been a part of this small nasiha. This nasiha is for me to begin with. I need attention. Even my own house hasn't qualified for foster care. It's not easy to take care of 10 children, but MashaAllah, uh, at least uh, we try by the will of Allah. May Allah give us good character, good conduct, a good heart with discipline. May Allah make us from people who who show that we care, we care for others. We really do care. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant success not only to this institution, but inshallah to entire humanity. May Allah guide us all and give us all Jannatul Firdaus and success. Aqulu qawli hadha subhanallahi bihamdihi subhanakallahumma bihamdika nashhadu an la ilaha illa ant nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk. Barakatuh. Jazakallah khair. Hey, I'm a little